I'm looking at the levels again. And they levels. look right to me. Good. I'm good. I feel right with it. I feel right with myself, constitution, <laughs> basic moral principles <laughs> as a... I'm just good with it. So here it is. Look, now we can both see it. So welcome to the Middle Brow Culture Warrior. We're going to start things off in this formulation of the podcast, which is part of our Middle Brow Multiverse. We're going to start things off by each giving our top three. This is our top three of things that captured our imagination, the things that pull you towards them that you can't turn away from and can't look away from. What's grabbed your attention? So Pete, let's start with you. What's your top three for this week? I'll start with kind of a weird old one that then got revived and now it has captured all of my attention and that's Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> so if there ever was a video game to get people to play video games, like I think Red Dead Redemption 2 is a gateway drug to people who don't play video games. Like I'd like Danny, who does not really play video games, to play this game. Yeah, I do not play video games and honestly I'm a little scared to play Red Dead Red Dead Redemption 2 because we've talked about it a little bit off air. This is a, a game that sounds extraordinarily compelling. I have played for maybe an hour Red Dead Redemption 1 and I had this feeling of like, oh there's really something going on here that is worth paying attention to. It's massive. It's overwhelming. But this is the point, and this is why I like it. It's not just Red Dead Redemption 2. It's the theory of, and I feel like these are being lost now, and I'm sad about it, massive open-world single-player games. So now you have massive open-world, but it's usually just like battles or strategy or Minecraft, whatever. Like, And I am not an up-on-it game, let me be clear. But this idea of like, let me just go live in that world for a while. If you're not a hardcore gamer, like going and playing... Elden Ring right now or or like Bloodborne or something would just be brutal. It's like these and if you went to go play Call of Duty, you know, the most popular game in America online, like it is just a lot of little kids insulting you as they kill you. You know what I mean? It's really frustrating. But like Red Dead Redemption 2 is it is a middle brow plot. It begins with a massive arc through the end of the old west, through like treachery, through change. It's the only game I know of spoilers where the main character is like dying in the game like you experience what it's like to die in this video game like through being weaker and things it's crazy the vistas of it the challenge it's so massive it's so much fun so what i love about it and what i love about those games and i'm sorry it's all going into total engagement multiplayer or whatever is that it is better than meditation you can almost think of nothing else hmm. so you've got you put on some headphones you get this thing going you got a challenge you got to do this and it is like this peaceful escape into old-timey nature as you move around and get this compelling story it's great if you don't play video games play that one so so therapists of the world take note you can stop telling us at every session how important it is for us to meditate and start telling us that we need to play red dead redemption too so pete is that your number three that'd be my number three what's number two my number two is local government and while this sounds boring, I have this theory about it I've connected over the past week. I am now a part of two hugely middle-brow government organizations. Not government organizations, community organizations. I'm a member of my homeowner association board, 
which I just got voted in under pressure. And I'm a member of, well, I'm not a member of, but I'm helping my local PTO, which when I was a kid was called the PTA, but now it's the PTO. And uh, we here on, in my lovely island home have a bit of a school children shortage. So there's a lot of discussion about closing a school and what that's going to mean for every school. So it's highly charged. And what I notice is if you want to understand national politics, it's exactly the same as your local organization. Like, really, it is unbelievably the idea of brokering around, trying to get these things done, trying to work with other people. The lines aren't as clear. You don't have like Republican, Democrat or these processes. But when you read about and if you're a news hound like I am, you get into like right now, the United States House of Representatives is in horrible, horrible disrepair. People just can't agree. The majority can't seem to get things agreed on. They can elect things like speakers, but they can't even function. That's what these organizations are. It's like watching game theory for national politics, how people build coalitions and work together, how they lobby to get the votes of other people, how all of that is set up to get to their own selfish ends, how there's always a couple of crusaders who are there to do the right thing, even though that right thing may be something you disagree with. Like, we're going to pay to get these solar panels in, or we're going to have diversity, equity, and inclusion officer in every classroom. <laughs> you know, like, I know that there are parts of this country where the school board and parent teacher organization is really, really bad. In, in my neck of the woods, it's fine. Everybody is kind of on the same general side here. But like, it is just, it is exactly taken to its extreme what US government is. Like, I continue to believe that these complicated pieces are just large pieces of these very small basic human interactions. Hmm. So are you, are you experiencing flow when you're in these moments, when you're in these meetings? Are you having that feeling of like kind of time falls away and you're no, just like, I'm no, here in the moment. No. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. You hate them. It. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they're it. just taking your time. Yeah. I just, I just sit there and think about what I think a normal person would find reasonable and just try to stay on that version. I'm like Steny Hoyer of the house. I am like as centrist a Democrat as you can be. I'm just in there being like, well, should we make them keep getting charged for the well water service fee, even though they haven't used the well in six, you know, six years? I'm like, no, let's stop charging of that. And then somebody's always like, I hate to stand on precedent, but in the bylaws, we're not allowed to, you know, so I'm just there being like, can we just please? I'm like the, I'm like the sole member of a freedom of the, not the freedom caucus. Oh God. Uh, the of the problem solvers the or the blue dogs or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm probably blue dog in my neighborhood and I am certainly blue dog at school. But in like both those organizations, you just see people operating the exact same way. Like if you really like politics, here's my, all, this, which you do. My entire top three today is just about getting into weird things. Like you want to get into video games, do it through Red Dead Redemption. I promise. You want to you want to you want to deeper into politics. If you love national politics, take a tour on your local board. You will un come to understand it amazingly better. So you're learning and you're understanding, but you're not loving it. I like the learning part of it. I don't like the actual part with coming together with people where the stakes seem to be so high for issues that are obviously anodyne. <laughs> does that make sense? It does. What's number one? My number one is going to be Jeeves and Wooster. <laughs> So for context, on uh, my way over to Bainbridge, or when, once I got over to Bainbridge Island, while Pete was in his PTO meeting, I walked into a bookstore, looked at their classic shelf, and picked up a volume by P.J. Woodhouse. Uh, P.G. P.G. Woodhouse, The Inimitable Jeeves. And I read five pages and I said, this is the book for me. I'm ready to read this book and, and all of the books that come after it in this series. So tell us, Pete, what's so magic about uh, Jeeves and Wooster? Jeeves and Wooster are a couple of characters done by 
by P.G. Woodhouse. And you know Jeeves if you've never heard of it through basically the archetype of butler. And he's not a butler, he's a valet, which means he is the gentleman's personal gentleman of one Bertram Wilberforce Wooster, also known as Bertie Wooster, also known as Bertie. So Jeeves is his man. Now I guess, and I don't know if this ever existed, but in Edwardian society, which means like the 1920s and 30s in England, London specifically, the aristocracy had this class where there was just like, if you were a young single guy, you paid a dude who was like your butler for a young single guy. He lives at his house. He does all of his travel arrangements. He arranges his clothes. It's like just this, it's kind of like Sherlock Holmes. There's this just like super complicated society around him. Every marriage needs this. <laughs> just, just like a third party that comes in is like, I think what they were trying to say. Was. Yeah. Or like, oh, you don't feel like it tonight? Well, maybe she does. <laughs> that is much more adventurous than Jeeves and Wooster would <laughs> But I, I like Jeeves being the being like pressure cock in the bedroom. <laughs> is that what it is? So what it is, it's very like Sherlock Holmes. Jeeves is this genius who and his superpower is thinking ahead and manipulating things to get Bertie out of trouble. So he can get what he wants. What, is, what does Jeeves want? Or so that you mean so that Birdie can get what he wants? Both. So okay. G, Birdie wa- Jeeves helps Birdie, but in so doing, he hopes that, that he's so successful her- helping Birdie that Birdie will give in to Jeeves. And what Jeeves wants is always like, he's always got something. Like, uh, I really want to go on this cruise. Or I really want to go to this museum. He's always doing some like improving thing. You said we could travel to Burkina Faso, you know, and Bertie's always like, I can't be fucked. I am so drunk right now, you know, like, and so, or like, or like Bertie will buy some piece of clothing that Jeeves is just horrified by. Like, like he gets like this white short kind of mess jacket that he's wearing and Jeeves is like, oh my God, sir, I assume this was placed in your wardrobe by your enemies, you know? And he's like, no, I saw, I saw the Duke of Windsor wearing this. And he's like, his grace is allowed much more, you know, <laughs> latitude than you. So, but Bertie like insists on it. So then Jeeves will like go through a big plan to help Bertie out. And when Bertie's so grateful that he helped him out, he'll be like, Jeeves, take the damn jacket and burn it. And he's like, I've already burned it. So, you know? <laughs> like that's like how every story ends. They're super formulaic. They're hilariously written. They're travel logs of the 1920s. They're, they're travel logs of aristocracy. And I was telling Danny, like, the thing I love about it is that Bertie Wooster is just an optimist throughout, which, seriously, the argument is, in all actual historical context, he is a imperialist dude with unlimited amounts of money in England at a time right before everybody was bombed into darkness. But... If you want to keep that kind of thing going, if you like your period piece dramas, uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable fun. And I, I can't suggest it. So here are my suggestions. If you're feeling low, try some Jeeves and Wooster. If you're feeling unempowered, join a local board. If you just need to get away from it, Red Dead Redemption's your man. Those are my top three. That's the top three. My top three. Are you going to start with three or one? I'm going to start with number three. Let's do it. This is probably the the least 
interesting item that I've thought of for a top three yet. However, I will mention it. It is the podcast Evaporated, Gone with the Gods. So this is a podcast that is about a phenomenon in Japanese society where people, which is relatively common, people in Japanese society will simply disappear. And it's a very common thing, evidently. And there's like, for example, there's whole organizations that are dedicated to helping people achieve this phenomenon. People like who, old people or every no. of every age. I just don't want to I want to be somebody else. I mean, they're all going to be over 18, right? But and and but not old people. It's like people in their the, the prime of their lives, the, their middle age, roughly. Okay. Um, yeah. And so people will, for whatever reason, whether they're being sort of hounded by debtors or um, they're in some abusive relationship. Some horrible or, online persona. Yeah. They've got something that they feel like they can't get you out You get a of. refresh button on that? You get a respawn in Japan? <laughs> in Japan, you get a respawn. I know. And so you can hire a company to come in and basically move all your stuff out in the middle of the night and relocate you to some new location place like and witness protection yeah and help you get a new identity it is wow. it's like a privatized witness protection program that's awesome yeah there's also like a for example there's like a manual for how to do this and it's kind of an illicit piece of um yeah of i mean literature. i gotta assume the cops are not happy with this no um, and that people would obviously abuse this for fleeing justice yeah <laughs> right? yeah so this podcast is um it has this really really compelling concept of like Japanese people just disappearing. That's it's such a forbidden dream for all of us. Whenever we're in our low moments, it's like, well, what if I just vanished? I have a simple answer for you. I know the way to do it. What's that? It's perfectly legal. It is. Mm-hmm. And it is. All you have to do is be over 18 and under 45. You can join the French Foreign Legion. <laughs> it still exists. You absolutely can. And if you give them three years, they will give you French citizenship and any identity you want to write down on that citizenship. And they call you a different name when you join. The French still do this. You have There are some issues around you can't have like certain kind of tattoos or something like that that are in the French Foreign Legion. But the French absolutely still hire out a mercenary army that you can join. You will go to like fight in Africa somewhere and it's wild, but they will absolutely give you a new one. Just like that Somerset mom story that we all enjoyed so much. You can just join. Join the a nunnery, a French nunnery or right. foreign religion. Well, I'm not Whisked interested on the planet. <laughs> I'm not interested in actually achieving this dream, but it's fascinating. Just keep in, in mind, if things get bad enough, Danny, there's uh, the French Foreign Legion. <laughs> so this podcast, it has kind of like an overproduced, super duper NPR vibe. And I don't know if I'm the only one who uses NPR as like a pejorative, but to me, it, it not anymore. It has it, it has such a connotation to it, and the hosts are borderline catatonic at times it's i have to put i never do this with podcasts but i have to put it on 1.25 or 1.3 or something because otherwise it's like they've taken a sedative (laughs) the sound is really bad but ultimately so the podcast itself i don't really like but it's captured my attention because the concept is so compelling and to learn about how people do this and also just to kind of peer into japanese society and see how different things are in this like weird alternate reality for the west of just like why is it still that the east and west like just kind of don't understand each other culturally like that's just bananas to in today's day and age but like I, i had a podcast that i liked and they went over this show out of japan that was like it was comedians and they try to make each other laugh right and it was just all this stuff and they were like the bits that they would show for these comics and these were like big comedians in japan or something like that i can't remember their names but they were like, it's almost like vaudeville. Like there's a lot of like weird 
kind of make like stuff that you would you would expect from the cat skills in the 50s it's just and people are dying and you're like culture is also relative i don't understand <laughs> I don't it is get it. and any nation where you can buy used ladies underwear from a vending machine there's a pretty good chance i will never understand what i'm happened. positive you can do that in this nation in the United States of oh, America? Absolutely positive. In a vending machine? Oh, I guarantee it. Vending machines are not some big public good. <laughs> I guarantee that if you go to Las Vegas, there's parts of New York City, there's probably parts of Detroit, there's probably parts of Seattle, Washington right now where you can go and find that. That's not like it's not like the government poured these out to relieve some point of the population. It was I, like, dude. I'm gonna take a hard stance disagreeing with that. I you do don't not, think that there's any vending machines in the United States that sell ladies' underwear. I think there are a few, but I think they all came from Japan, or the idea <laughs> came from Japan. It's a strictly Japanese. Idea. No one in the United States has ever thought of that. <laughs> it's just not something Americans would think of. No. What about Japanese Americans? Well, even they then, would no. Even then, no. Of but course not. Unless, it has to be specific Japanese culture. So if you're Japanese in America, this would never occur to you. It only occurs to you on that island. That is correct. <laughs> Something about that island. Number two, Pete, is Instagram. <sighs> and two specific aspects of Instagram. I know you hate everything that Mark Zuckerberg is involved with, I up do. to and including cage fights, potential cage match fights with Elon Musk. That would have been fascinating. Yeah, and if you throw Draymond Green in the ring, I think it would be even more fascinating. I Way think it's, more fascinating. I think you'd sell a lot of tickets for that. I saw that punch. <laughs> so um, the things about Instagram that, that really just continually capture my attention, I mean, you get content from your friends and the people you follow and stuff like that. I, that stuff is, it, I could take or leave, honestly. But there's two things about it that, to me, no other social media is, is doing. Um, one is the targeted ads. The targeted ads are phenomenal. Really good. All of my, the, my favorite products that I have right now in my household are from targeted ads. I have a whiskey advent calendar right now. If this I, podcast gets at all popular, Mark Zuckerberg is going to personally call you and ask you to do endorsements. He will, me. and he should. But but yeah, I've got this whiskey advent calendar that I never would have heard of. I've got a pillow cube, which is a classic kind of online targeted ads. Like you should buy this pillow. and you're, It's a pillow that's a cube? Yeah, it's a cube and it's soft. It's just, it's phenomenal. It I love it, it. Why do you need a cube pillow? What's that? Why do you need a cube pillow? What does a cube pillow do? It's really, really comfortable. Really? Yeah. And I lay my head on it. And I mean, laying your head on a pillow and having an emotion is not really something. It's one of those kind of irreducible concepts. (laughs) God, I hope so. You can't, you can't. There's, was that like Rick and Morty? Like, there's no way to do this so bad that it kills you. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to, I can't break it down further than the, than the fact that when I put my head on this pillow, I feel real good. (laughs) Okay. Right. Good. All right. So that came to me through targeted advertising. I've got I've got a a, a, um, a dental appliance that I put in my mouth at night. I got a, a sonic cleaner for it, where you pop it in and it just cleans this fucker like Do it's never been cleaned before. This is that targeted ads are so good, or you're just like a sucker for gadgets. No, I think the targeted ads are because yeah, like you just listed like four things I don't have. I, I don't <laughs> like, uh, like it, the targeted ads are so good. It provides all of my it provides Funkel machines. No, 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 all no, no. of the no. It's very specific stuff. You've been I, desperately looking for something in your mouth at night. Well, I have the thing. This is just a cleaner for the thing. In the oh, mouth it's a night. cleaner. Yeah. It makes it keeps it nice and clean. I see. It's fabulous. And there was no other way for me to do that, which was distressing me greatly. You know, I do find that's true about tools. You know, like if you have a problem at home and you just like start trying to think about if there's something like just look up and see if there's a tool 
it's amazing the amount of tools there are for unbelievably specific tasks. Yeah. Like so, just, oh yeah, you need this. They've been making this for 20 years. It's great. Here you go. Put it under there. It fixes the whole problem. The reason I know that the targeted ads are working and it's not, not just some kind of gadget freak is that you go, I go on Facebook also and Facebook just absolutely blows. It totally sucks. And part of the reason is you go um, on their targeted ads and I don't want any of those products. And you can tell they've got some little aspect of me or my personality they're like maybe you'd like this and i'm just like there's no in hell it's i would ever buy anything. ghost of danny from long ago wandering through the halls whereas facebook is like has predicted exactly what Not facebook I, but instagram sorry instagram but isn't is, instagram and facebook the same thing why they're facebook- owned by the same company which it boggles my mind i don't know why facebook hasn't just said why don't we behave exactly like instagram i'm guessing it's because you interact more with instagram it's possible the other thing is the is the reels and the reels are like these sort of super targeted curated uh memes and and videos and and f- like funny things and pete I, I know you're never going to get on Instagram, but I wish you were so I could send you memes because I find the funniest <laughs> shit and it's all so specific. And whenever you interact with something or forward it or change it, the whole algorithm changes and it's like, oh, he likes this. And so you'd get this more and more targeted stuff. And it's just this like highly evolved form of humor and not evolved in the sense that it's like better humor, but it's like very specific to you. And so you get on, you flip through it and it's just like, wow, I just read some really stuff that I found really damn funny. And you know, you send it to people and you do whatever. And it's just never ending entertainment. It's, yeah. it, it, and you know what it is? I don't know if, did you read Infinite Jest? I don't remember. Nope. Okay, nope. there's this, for those of our, of our middle brow listeners who did. I own a copy. I read the first 20 pages of it, I think. Well, you got to get through like 150 and, yeah, then, no, and then it'll way, grab you. Man. And I like him, but there was no way. Yeah, but there's this concept, there's this thing called the entertainment, which is like, it's, it, it becomes, you know, weaponized in, in, the, uh, in the book or people want to weaponize it because it's something where you sit down and you watch. It's like the specific video that this guy makes and you sit and you watch it and you can't stop watching it and you continually watch it. We have now created the entertainment in our society and it's on TikTok and it's on Instagram reels and you, and you just flip and flip and flip whether you're on the can or whatever and you're like, I cannot stop flipping through these like really like hilarious and interesting things. And you talk to other people. It's it's kind of a social piece too. You talk to other people and you're like, okay, what's on your Instagram reels? And pe- some people will be like, oh, I don't want to share that. Literally no one has ever asked me that question. If they did, if somebody said, what's on your Instagram reels? Like I'd be like, you, you, you get out. It's probably because of the shirt you have on right now that says, I hate Mark Zuckerberg. We never gave <laughs> him a, never like, gave him a penny. Knowledge? Does everybody know that? Is, like, yeah. like my, my big problem is the best, the best social media tool is probably the one that the most people are on, right? To some degree. So like, I love Twitter because it was great at distilling like news content in short and opinion in short to me whenever I wanted. It was like you're saying, instant entertainment. Yeah. Like as a you Gen could Xer, scroll, for, you could scroll for know. an hour. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm if I'm built to do like the Instagram TikTok because I don't I don't love video. I don't no, it's think. built for you, Pete. You think so? Well, I, I mean. You're not. You don't have to be built for it because it adapts to you. I guess. Yeah. Like you don't. You don't necessarily need to get on it. But but this parasite will crawl in. Yeah. Right there in the back, and you're saying like it's just perfectly fine. You know what it is? It's like it's like if you get a parasite. Like let's say you're like 50, 60 pounds overweight, and you get a parasite, and and like you drop like forty or fifty pounds immediately, and you're like, well, I don't want a parasite, but 
you know, if I'm going to have one, this is the one to have. <laughs> There's a great episode of Futurama where this Paris, the main character gets this parasite and the parasites just like want to stay in his body. So they're just doing massive improvement. They're like making him stronger by exercising his muscles. They've been like shoveling out the, out the cholesterol. They've been doing all this stuff. They're like totally keeping him alive. And he's got this problem where he's faced with, wait a second, do I want to continue being just the host for these parasites? Or do I want to be me? And the, being the host for the parasites is better. I'm a stronger, better. And like this girl that he's into is into him. He can play musical instruments because of like, he is like a Superman because of the parasites. That, that almost perfectly encapsulates my relationship with social media and with Instagram in particular. And I'm old enough to still be anti-parasite. That's fair. Number one on my list is the absolute best piece of news this year. Probably the best piece of news since COVID or since Trump got COVID. <laughs> oh, really? That was a good oh, piece of news. And when, when that happened, we... we had some champagne that had been sitting there for a long time. We cracked it open. We, you know, we might as well have like smashed it against the side of like an ocean liner. We were so thrilled. But the best piece of news is Apple's announcement of an armistice with Android and Google and everything over group text messaging. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'll be a big one for me. That'll be a game changer. I'm on three or four really long text chains, and each one of them has some. Some fucker with Android. damn Android user who is saving $20 by being an asshole on my, on my phone chat. <laughs> exactly. And it fucks everything up. And this, is, this has been, so this is a piece of absolute marketing genius. Not this new development, but the, the, the status quo is just absolute marketing genius by Apple because they've created this ecosystem where, look, the technology exists for, for all these uh, operating systems to behave together on group chats and instead they've created this situation where like basically if you have an android and you're on a group text with with people who all have iphones you are the pariah yeah and you want to go out and get an iphone because everyone's like fuck you we can't put a picture on our group chat we can't give it a title every time we want to add or subtract it's somebody just like it like every time you do something it just replicates it on my phone into this weird oh way. my god it's such a pain in the ass and I've, in, my, in my life as a middle-browed dad, I'm constantly doing, arranging group chats for various kid-related groups, soccer teams, indoor soccer teams, Cub Scouts, whatever. I've got all these group chats going, and I just want to give them names and pictures, and I want to be able to add and subtract people really easily. And now, they're, they're slowly rolling it out. Like Most of the features already exist. I can now do a lot of things with Android users on the thread. Yeah, I can do a lot more of that. I, I noticed that too. Yeah, it's great. And they're, it's going to get even better. It's not better. there yet. No, but it's and very you still close. Will get, you'll still get hung up with unsent messages at times, sure. you know, where you're like, damn it. There's I issues. This is your cheap ass phone. Yeah. And I don't understand the whole like blue bubble, green bubble shaming. That's never been a thing for me. But the group text functionality on, yeah. w that crosses operating systems is a well, like, fucking game changer. I think that after, during COVID and stuff, like a lot of this, a lot of communication became group text right like that's when i started most of my group texts we're like hey i got a bunch of friends we'd like to talk about stuff we're probably not going to sit and get on a zoom call once a week or something so we just kind of keep big old text chains going yep. and people are like saw this love that check yep. this out it's heard great. about this happy birthday you know it's like dude, that all started in covid and so now it's like that's that's serious it's just like the thing with apple doing the going to the usbc or whatever like what what we've been in this period where everything has been exploration and nothing has been getting standardized. So it, it's starting to feel like things are coming back together. Like, okay, 
Here's how we're going to handle documents. You're not going to have to look at six different templates and different versions that don't do it. Like that's not going to work anymore. You're going to have to have a plugin. You're going to have to like, I'm sure this is what railroads were like. Like one of the great things about, about like American railroads that was crazy is they were so independently owned that the gauges wouldn't go together and they would be made all differently. And it was like, same problem. It was just absolute horseshit until somebody finally grabbed it together and said, we got to standardize this, come mm -hmm. up with weights and measures for everything mm -hmm. here. So it feels like tech is sort of just now getting into that. Yeah. And I'm, you mentioned USB-C. I am ready. I didn't think I'd, I'd care already. I've hated USB-C for a long time, but I am so ready for the era where everything is just USB-C to USB-C. Just whatever. Whatever it is, just pick one so I don't have to look through it. I don't have to, when I want to charge something, I don't have to dig through my, like, uh, what we call it, cord hell. Like, I don't have to dig through cord hell and find the right charger and plug it in here and plug it in here and, like, swap I mean, we, it out. We did and, this like, with outlets, right? There, there, there were all sorts of different kind of outlets and plugins and things that Americans had forever. And then there was just like, no, 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 we're going to come up with this. Everyone knows exactly what an American outlet looks like. It's like, we should just know that for this. Dude, it's not special or unique. If the Europeans can standardize their currency, we can standardize our fucking charging Dude, devices. but they have the metric system. We're a bunch of just shit shows over here on that. <laughs> we just ignored it to the point of madness. Which if you put on Instagram, you'd see the profusion of excellent, excellent memes just like ridiculing the United States' use of the metric system. Yeah, but now I like it, right? Like it just, it just gets oh, Sorry, the United States' use my, of standard, yeah. The, the, thing, the thing is, is that like the, the answer that people don't like, like why doesn't the United States use metric? Like it does. It just, every industry in the United States is absolutely on metric. I mean, is it just... It's not like you're going to go into Detroit and everybody's in there talking inches. Like, no, 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 no. Machines are down to the metric size. Americans use metrics all the time. But isn't it... I mean, isn't, isn't this something that we inherited from the British, which is, a, which is a desire to just say, fuck you to the rest of the world, which is what the Brits do over and over again and what what you know to a degree we do where we're just to like a degree yeah, we're not using the metric system fuck you guys yeah it makes more sense we don't give a shit yeah because i like all those memes the other way where it's like metric system france germany whatever japan and it's like united states like standard system only one of these to be on the moon yeah, <laughs> yeah like, you know what <laughs> fuck you and your metric system what, what do you got do you have any idea like you want to talk science with me if you were so smart you would have invented barbecue and the internet, like we did. So and fuck jazz, you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Pete. Danny. All this stuff falls into the category of shit I read in The Economist. <laughs> here's, a, here's, here's something that's going on in the world. Yeah. Latin America has become the new spot for laundering Russian spies. So here's what I mean by that. Russians, they take their would-be spies and they send them down to Latin America. In Latin America, they do stuff and they get credentials and they work jobs and they become legit. You can launder a person through Latin America? That's right. Is there a particular nation this happens in or just any? I think just Latin America you just generally. just go down there, put in your time? There used to be a particular nation that this happened in, and that nation was Canada. Russians, what? Yeah. The Russians would send people to Canada, and they would launder them. They would take these clearly Russian people who are Russian agents. You could look at whatever their resume was and be like, okay, you're a Russian agent. Right. There's you're no Russian doubt about spy, it. Dude. And they'd send them to Canada, and they would work in Canada for a while. They'd get some credentials. They'd work for some NGO, whatever. Kind of do the departed. Sure. Just change themselves. Into yeah, that's right. 
That's right. But Canada got wise to it and Canada shut it down. So now they send them down to Latin America. Sure. And in Latin America. It's fun to be legitimately from Latin America and try to like do anything where all your credentials are called into question as Russian. Okay, anyway. So they'd send these people down to Latin America. They'd, they'd do a little tour of duty at some NGO or some governmental organization. And then they'd be like, well, now that I've got these credentials, I'm going to apply to work in the United States. Right, because my resume is just showing that I'm a Guatemalan ambassador aide that does this stuff. Exactly. Then they'd go work in the United States and they'd be spies. Seems easy. Seems like we should have had a process for this because this has probably existed since Hellenistic Greece, right? I mean, like yep. <laughs> since winter spies, people that just come directly from a nation with their papers. Isn't this the point of spies? You're right, Pete. Used to happen in Canada. Now it happens in Latin America. I don't have, any, I don't have a strong take on this. I just want to say for those of our listeners who work in HR and are hiring people for government jobs, be mindful. Yeah. When you hire people from Latin America, because that is the spot for laundering Russian spots. And you might find, yeah, you just need to be asking some Russian phrases in that interview. <laughs> just see if they go to it. Just That's talk right. about Putin and see if they get offended. <laughs> and you know what else, Pete? You know what else I read in The Economist? No. September is the worst month for stocks. Really? That's right. T.S. Eliot said April is the cruelest month. Yeah, he did. And he meant it. It is. But for investors, September is the cruelest month. Word to the wise for our investors. Isn't that like black September, like the 29 crash? Well, every year. September. Every year it's September. Why is it? Why is it? What, what is it about late summer? I couldn't tell you that. Oh, that's weird. We need, somebody needs to study that. All I know is keep your ear to the ground, middle brow investors. Dude, just, just pull it out. Put it in something safe. Put, put it, it under your something. mattress. For the month of September? September? Put it in gold. <laughs> put it in gold. I would love to sell gold to uh, middlebrow investors who are worried about the month of September. Actually, you know, this would be a good one. All right, let's go. You go. So we're going to play a little game, Pete. Let's do it. We're going to pit the... <laughs> I know what it is. No, Pete, we're really going to do it. You don't know what it we're is. We're going to fight? No. <laughs> You're just going to look me dead in the eyes and try to punch me? No, so what we're going to do, Pete, here is we're going to pit the seven deadly sins versus the seven wonders of the world. Ooh. Yes, indeed. Like to see who wins? Well, yeah. Well, let's see whether the seven deadly sins are more have more um, power uh, to interest us and... Um, and draw us in or the What's seven. What's more compelling? The seven deadliest sins or the seven most amazing things? That's it. So we're going to go Is through. Is seven wonders of the current or ancient world? Current world. We're going to pit them against each other. And like a bracket? Yeah. Well, we're not going to go full bracket. Okay. That would take too long. So what we're going to do is we're each going to make a choice between a seven, a deadly sin or a wonder of the world. Like which one's better or more impactful? Well, uh, which one would you, would you choose? So you're going to have the option to either commit the deadly sin or have a two-day trip with sort of guided tours, full access, etc., to the wonder of the world. Oh, I love this idea. And you're going to have to choose which one. And whichever one tallies the most points, uh, the deadly sins or the wonders of the world, is the champion. I'm so ready. This is a great game. Let's go. So let's start with the sin of pride. To commit the sin of pride, you will win some kind of moderately prestigious award for something that you have already done in the past, or maybe your kid wins the award, but you win an award 
for something that you already did and that you feel good about. Something that you've done in the past. Somebody's like, hey, Pete, remember that thing you did? We're going to give you an award for it. Great job. So it's either that or a two-day trip with guided tours, full access, et cetera, to the Colosseum in Rome. What do you choose? Colosseum, hands down. No question. I'm taking the award. You'd rather have an award than see the Colosseum? I've seen the Colosseum. A minor award? I've not seen the Colosseum. Oh, I wasn't that interested. And I've won minor awards. And I feel prideful all the time. I'm constantly talking shit about my awards. <laughs> hey, don't, don't judge me, man. I'm taking the award. All right, I take the Coliseum. It's crazy. Split ballot. Pete, would you rather commit the sin of greed by taking the value of the trip in cash, so the airfare, the hotel, the guided tours, et cetera, and just add it to your bank account? You're not, you're not doing anything special with it. You're just putting this money. It's a one-time lump sum of cash. Lump sum of cash straight into the, the Gamble General Fund. Okay. Or take a two-day trip with guided tours and so on to the Christ the Redeemer statue in uh, Brazil. Cash. I'm taking the Christ the Redeemer trip. Oh, my God. I don't give a fuck about cash. (laughs) I just don't. I mean, I like it. It's great. It's fine. Who doesn't like cash? No, cash is good, but like Christ the Redeemer? I'm more more interested in spending from the general fund. I shouldn't say this. My wife is good on my kiss. We'll edit this out. But I'm more interested in spending from the general fund than I am in adding to the general (laughs) fund. Right. I like I like to shop, not so much build. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Listen. Hey, same boat. All right. My wife works right now. I don't. Okay. Listen, which is why I would like the cash to help out. But the thing is about Christ the Redeemer, I have a problem with recent man-made sculpture being wonders. Yeah. I get like, that. You know, you, know what, you know what I've been to and I would never go to again and couldn't give a shit about is Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is pretty forgettable. It is forgettable. If it is seen- boring. It is uninteresting. It's like the town of Leavenworth or Solvang. <laughs> it's like a place that elected to just be different for a day with this weird thing in the middle of holy land. And I'm not saying that's what Christ the Redeemer is, but it's like a modern sculpture. Like why that and not the Statue of Liberty or or that giant Buddha thing in India in Indonesia. If like, you if you've seen the postcard, you've seen Mount Rushmore. There's nothing more to. And be I would say. Christ the Redeemer. Now, if you're going to give me a two-day trip to Rio de Janeiro, well, you're going to eat Brazilian food, but most of your time, like, it's going to be. If most of my time is at the Christ the Redeemer statue, well, it's focused hard pass. Most of it is focused. It's the least interesting thing I can think of seeing in Rio de Janeiro. I agree with that, but I'm taking the experience over the cash. Number three, would you commit the sin of wrath? by exacting perfect revenge on someone who has wronged you <laughs> or gonna be tough to beat or, or sending me to see uh Sinatra at the sands because that's about the only thing <laughs> or would you visit the, visit the Taj Mahal no Taj Mahal who gives a crap no no revenge revenge I I don't care about revenge and so I'm going to the Taj Mahal Taj Mahal is another one that I'm just like dude I don't know it looks cool. I, I, uh, it's I think after 10 minutes of looking at it, I don't know what else I'm going to get out of it. No, not, I agree. I it's agree. not like it was built for some massive historical prints. It was just like built by a rich guy for his... But I will say, I will say, Pete, that I, we recently visited um, that big thing in Barcelona, the um, Sagrada Familia. Don't know it. Okay, it's a Gaudi. Big thing in Barcelona? Yeah, it's like Gaudi. You're into Gaudi? I do know that, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. So we went to the Sagrada Familia, which is Gaudi's masterpiece, and it's this massive temple, cathedral, and you look at it, and it's just like, wow, it's really interesting. And I had seen it from the outside before and found it really cool and interesting, but we went inside, and I had like a religious experience. 
inside the Sagrada Familia. It was just like, what the fuck is this place? This is so cool and so gorgeous. And it's like jam packed with tourists, but I don't care because I'm just in it and like looking at this cool stuff and like Gaudi stuff is really cool. I've never felt like that by almost anything man-made. Hmm. Wait, but, how, how, okay. Just if you can, yeah. how many times have you had religious or almost religious experiences at places and which places? Oh, in places? Like, like, saying, in, like just there, you just had like an almost, like where else do you get that feeling? Is it a lot of places? Is it really rare? No, the Glacier Peak area of the Cascades. Yeah. I feel it. Um, like it's, it's on par with that kind of feeling. Like I felt like I was looking through the veil between worlds. It was yeah, so beautiful. It was remarkable and unexpected. It was just like, I was like, oh yeah, we're going to go into this tourist trap and see what's going on. Maybe it's the unexpected thing. It could be. It could be. I felt that way once in the Redwoods, mm-hmm. which obviously isn't hard to do, but like, I'm not, I, I live, I live right now in a, in a pretty good sized forest. It's not like the Redwoods are something I haven't, like I'm not from the prairie or some shit. It's just trees, man. Yeah, dude. I, I live in a, I live in Pacific Northwest. I'm nothing but tall trees, but like being in the Redwoods for some reason, it was like. 20 degrees cooler in there. It was like misty and stuff. And all of a sudden you're feeling like, wow, this is, a, this is much bigger than me. But I don't it, feel like I get that from man-made structures. No, no. But in response to your question, it's a rare experience. It's not like yeah. a, it's a common I'm trying to think. I think the Redwoods, I'm trying to think of where else I've even felt like that. But it, it, and to walk into a place where it's like, hey, if you walk into this place, you're going to have like an experience, like a, you know, a spiritual Something experience. transcendental. And you're like, yeah, 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 we'll see. And then you walk in and you fucking have it. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. So Sagrada Familia was, was impressive. So maybe Taj Mahal would be impressive. Mm. I'm not desperate to go to the Taj Mahal by any means. I've never been to India. I'd love to go to India, but this is a Taj Mahal focused two day. Right. Like I'd love to go to India too. And I would probably take something over India over revenge against my enemies. But man, first of all, I have some good enemies. You've got good enemies. You've got good revenge to exact. I just have no enemies. All right. I think I'm picking... How much... I'm just picking... I'm all deadly sin so far. No, no I no. picked the Coliseum. You picked the Coliseum. And we're split. It's split. It's 3-3. Three, three. All right. Would you rather... But there's some, there's some good ones coming up. So would you rather commit the sin of envy where you get to claim a valuable possession from somebody you know? Like... Just uh, go like take it. Pete's got this killer uh, Porsche. Yeah. Awesome car. <laughs> it is. All right. Like there's somebody It was my there. dad's. It was your dad's. It's a beautiful car. You've maintained it. It's in good shape, etc. But somebody would love to have your Porsche. So something like that. Some just like I could just be like, oh my gosh, I love this thing you have in your house. I'm taking it. I'm taking a you know material possession and like without without consequence. Like no consequence. It just becomes mine, dude. All this. It's stuff not like is... I'm ruining somebody I know by stealing from them. No, all this stuff is without consequence. Okay. Would you rather do that? Would you rather claim someone else's possession, committing the sin of envy, or would you rather visit the Great Wall of China? Great Wall of China. Me too. So, uh, and never it, been. That'd be fascinating. It's not even close. I yeah, can't think close. of any possessions yeah, that people have that I really give a shit about. So it's the Great Wall of China, and that's a uh, let's call it a two nothing lead. Seven Wonders of the World is up two nothing, but there's some good sins coming up. Would you rather commit the sin of lust mm. in the form of a two day consequence free <laughs> just bender, just dalliance. sexual bender? With someone or multiple someones. <laughs> However you want it. 
completely consequence free. Like we're not talking about like, oh, you got to hide it or whatever. No, no, no. This is consequence free. This is like out of time. Out of time, out of space. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't exist once you get back. You remember it, but it doesn't have any consequence whatsoever. Or visit Petra in Jordan. It's hard because. Petra in Jordan's pretty cool. I know. Petra is probably the best. I'm married and I'm happy. And I'm not a weird sex guy. But. ah. Uh, Petra is probably the best wonder of the world. Yeah on this list considering but, where i'm at in my life i'm going to petra you're going to petra yeah sure consequence free yeah i mean i don't know i like 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 sex as like you get into like marriage and kids like sex to me is kind of like the way fancy cars are like it's just it's just less important hmm. i don't know i would take the lust because hey, danny's going for it i think it has a really salutary function in a marriage to um, go have sex with somebody other than your partner? No. Because <laughs> that seems like there's another sin, too. No, 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 no. To, to, to take things that could be problems and exercise those demons. It's like a cathartic effect, I think. Ah, to be like, oh, I get this out of your system and then you feel better. That's it. That's it. And you're like, oh, this thing. As sort opposed of, to not doing it in the first place to so the right. person you're betrothed to and going to see Petra together. No, you don't get to go together. You're solo on this trip. Oh, I'm solo? You're solo. Oh, I don't want to go by myself. Dude, if, I, if my wife... No could, one's going to care about all my last crusade jokes. <laughs> which is like basically what I'm most excited about. If my wife could come to Petra with me, I'm taking Petra. Okay, yeah. Well, I kind of thought like... You have to... There's, the only way to get to Petra is to ride a camel into Petra. You can't take motorized vehicles. You, yeah, but I could, my wife can ride a camel. No, I'm saying that's a positive. Okay. You ride a camel into Petra. You get there. It's a city carved in the stone. It's beautiful. I think you have to spend the night there. It's just, it's just, it's so cool. Other other than possibly the Great Wall, it's like the coolest. Like outside in the desert sky. I think so. Oh, I'm taking that over the weird sex thing. Really? I don't want to have consequence free sex away from my wife. That's honestly my opinion. I'm just not that interested in it. Interesting. I'm taking the lust. Good for you. That's awesome. Uh, Number six. There was a time when I would have. It's just not now. Well, I hope that that between the ages of my age and your age, there's a there's a, a progression that happens where I would also choose Petra. We'll see. Yeah. It'll be fun. <laughs> Number six. That would you rather commit the sin of gluttony, which is two days of really legit, consequence-free gluttony? You eat the finest stuff. You drink the finest stuff. You just there's go. There's no consequence. It's like uh, that movie, Defending Your Life. Like you can eat whatever you want. And, and your budget on this is like limitless half a million like a half million. a million dollars to eat for two days yeah eat right. drink you know whatever it's gonna be tough wait or, like, like drugs everything like i'm just gonna go consequence free like take it party dude, we're gonna throw the drugs into the mix <laughs> right i mean wouldn't that be part of gluttony it's like if it's like gonna be i can have consequence free sex with someone who's not my wife no there's all. no sex in gluttony no i'm just saying yeah. in the in the in the lust thing so in the gluttony thing is it like shoot up heroin Try it. It's, you're not going to be addicted to it when you're done. You're not yep. going to have this. You're not going to have that. Whatever you want. Then that's going to be or Machu, Machu Picchu. No, nah, this is the Americas. I can get there myself. I'm never getting that gluttony chance again. This is a really tough one for me. I'm probably taking Machu Picchu. That is crazy. Because that is absolutely crazy. Because the drugs that I'm interested in trying, for the most part, I can get and I can try. I'm not. Sure, but I'm not think interested. Of what you could do. You could be like, dude. I can just mix all these together. I won't die. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You could shoot the moon. And the, the thing about the food. With like six buckets of KFC. <laughs> the thing about the. <laughs> can my wife be there while I do this? 
that'd be a blast. I think these are all solo trips. Uh, I, I think for the um, for the gluttony, because I could take two days, and the most I could realistically spend in two days is probably ten thousand yeah. dollars. I don't think I could really go over that. But if I was to spend ten thousand dollars in two days, the main thing is the consequences on you know your body and you know make you feel like you got it, you're hungover afterwards. Right, and like you, you're not going to get hungover. You're not going to yeah, get food poisoning. You're not going to get. But the other thing is I went to Peru for uh, like a week, like 10 days, 10 day trip to Peru. And I had the opportunity to go to Machu Picchu or go take like a hike in the Peruvian mountains. And I took the hike. I didn't take Machu Picchu. But to me, the consequences of, of two days of gluttony, I can erase those consequences in a week. Like with, you know, diet and exercise and what Not have you. Not if you're doing it right, man. I, I probably would go to Machu Picchu. That's crazy. I would take, I would take the gluttony on that one. Hmm. All right, last one, and uh, it, it's looking like Seven Wonders of the World is going to walk away with this yeah. on, on strength of a really strong performance by the Great Wall of China. But would you rather commit the deadly sin of sloth? Mm. Two days at home, no one around, doing absolutely nothing. Just nothing. Whatever you feel like doing. Or visit the Chichen Itza, Mexico. Chichen Itza? Some Mayan ruins. Eh, Mexico. I can do that. Yeah, I'm taking Mexico as well. I can, I can, do, the, I can do the sloth one. I can get two days if I need I them. can probably arrange it. I mean, it, like, like, that's something like really relatively within my power. I get the kids at school. I get someone to watch them afterwards. I've been nah. sick and had to arrange things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. All you need to do is... is uh, uh, buy from Etsy a positive COVID test. <laughs> right? And you've got those two days. You're like, oh, are yours. No one's gonna ever get I'm going to book a hotel at Alderbrook. We're good. Like, yeah, I'll, see right. I'll see you in two days. I'll see you in two days. And by the way, can I, can I mesh this up with my gluttony one? It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so the... Uh, so who's the winner? The, the, the wonders of the world wins? I'm shocked. Dude, that is... Bananas, you're crazy. It is. Okay. That's but they won. You, you, you like threw that game. You're like one of those. No, 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 no. I thought the sins were going to win, and I picked, some, I picked some quality sins. Those are all quality. I love all of them. Some of them don't, just don't matter to me that much anymore. You know, you're like, oh, I'm just not that excited about this, I guess. Yeah. 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 Like sloth, like, yeah, I probably could do it. I've done that. That'd be fun. Gluttony would be good. But no, I mean, it's a, it's a runaway victory for the seven wonders of the world. <sighs> That's crazy. I would not have thought that. It's madness. Plus, that's the seven wonders of the world suck these days. They totally suck. Although, Great Wall, Petra. I mean, what were the ancient wonders? Do you know them? Without yeah, looking? they're not. I mean, not without looking, but Colossus so, of Rhodes, Hanging Gardens of Babylon, um, Pyramids of Giza. Yeah. The Lighthouse at Alexandria. Yep. Stuff like that. Stuff that either doesn't exist anymore. Like, none, almost none of it does. The pyramids. Pyramids, yeah. Right? Pyramids like, I think that's it, though, right? Hanging Hang yeah. Gardens of Babylon. And where the fuck even is Babylon? Like, does it. Iraq? Probably. Yeah, like the U.S. bombed the shit out of that. Yeah, like those, gar- those gardens are no longer... Yeah, that was hit by one of those daisy cutter cluster bombs, I think. <laughs> In the effort to uh, fight terrorism, I think, that the, whatever was left of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Well, congratulations to the Seven Wonders yeah, of the World. Yeah, really, I'm proud of you. That's amazing, overcoming man's complete innate need to entropy. <laughs> I guess, right? <laughs> what else do you say? It's that time again, Pete. It's time 
for Fuck'em. Fuck'em. It's such a good place. I don't even know if I've got a good Fuck'em. No, you go. You give me a Fuck'em. I don't know if you Fuck'em. I got a Fuck'em. <laughs> fuck'em! Pete, just to start off with, I would like to say fuck'em to commercial air travel. Oh. It is so dehumanizing. Yeah. When you enter into the commercial air travel space, you are cattle. <laughs> you absolutely are. There's, the, there's like one of the most cattle experiences of, of a human being can go through. It's so bad. There's this song, that there's this artist um, in this song that I love to listen to that basically, it's a 2019 album by a band called AJJ. And it's, a, it's such a good album because it perfectly captures this moment of dystopia in like the end of the Trump presidency. And um, there's this, I'm going to misquote the line, but it's something like, you know, they discard our shared reality and they... I don't even remember. And then they say, and they upsell us our dignity like some fucked VIP package. And that's what the airlines do is they, they take your dignity and they're like, oh, you want dignity? You want to be able to get on the plane whenever you want? Like who fucking cares about getting on the plane five minutes before other people? I don't want to be on that plane. And yet they've made it so that people are like, I will pay $100 to get on the plane five minutes before you. Is it a signed seating plane or non-assigned seating plane? Both. Like Southwest oh. Airlines, I get paying the money to be up oh, front sure. so you can oh, get sure. off the plane fast. Like Otherwise, you're there for an hour. We're talking largely about assigned seating right, then planes. What difference does it make? None. I guess there might not be But they create these commodities. They create yeah. like dignity as a commodity. Like, oh, you want to be special? You want to be treated like a real person with respect and agency? That'll be an extra $1,000. Exactly. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And it's such, a, it's such a hurtful thing to go through. It is. But the convenience of it also is like literally mankind's greatest convenience. It really is. It gets you there so fast. You want to go to the Great Wall of China like in our discussion? Like, dude. 12 hours. You're there. Yeah. That was, that was the trip of a lifetime for somebody if you were lucky and rich. Right. And instead, it's just like. I, I've been 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> I went for work. It sucked. There's a McDonald's there. It's crappy. <laughs> so fuck you, fuck commercial you, air airlines. travelers. God damn it. I'd also like to say fuck them to the use of Bayesian statistics in sports and particularly sports journalism. <laughs> the worst, the, the main thing that this happens, it, this, and when I say Bayesian statistics, there's a sort of split among statistical. I read about it on, on Twitter, sure. which I will never not call Twitter, uh, but I don't even know what it means exactly because I'm a continental type philosopher. <laughs> Bayesian statistics, basically, so um, Bayesian statistics is basically like you're going to take all the information that's available to you and figure out what the likelihood is that something will occur. So this is Nate Silver's bread and butter. So basically, you're like, okay, look, let's look at all past presidential elections when certain conditions have been present. And based on that, let's predict what happens. So in sports, you're like, okay, uh, it's the fourth quarter and there's four minutes left in the game. And one team, the, the home team is up by like seven points. Right. So let's look at all games in history where that has occurred and let's figure out how often the team that's up seven points wins and how often the team that's down seven points wins. 
and let's convert that into a probability. This is simplifying things significantly, but that's basically the idea, is you look at all the past cases and you conclude what's going to happen in the, in the present day. And it's a pretty powerful statistical tool. It's highly predictive, as we've seen by you know monitoring Nate Silver's 538 website and tracking presidential elections. He's been wrong about everyone except for Obama's. He crushed Obama's. Yeah, but everything else sucked. Yeah. It's he got everything bad. else almost wrong. Yeah. But, but then, he, then, he, then he, so here's your thing. You're down by seven. You're the home team. How many times has this happened where the home team's been down by seven, done this kind of thing? Yeah. What's the point in fucking knowing that? There's no point. So if, so if Nate Silver tells me, and I don't mean to pick on Nate Silver, sure. 538, Nate Cohen over at the New York Times, whoever wants to do it, okay, wants to say, here's where the probability stands today, and here's where the probability stands tomorrow. It's like, you didn't give me anything of value. You well, can tell me what the probability of it today is not predictive to what will or will not happen because you're changing the scale of the predictability per day. As it gets closer. And right? the Bayesian statisticians will tell you that, like, look, this is all that Bayesian statistics can and does do. Is know, it gives it's you useless this, information. Is it? I, I agree with you, Pete, because when I'm watching, listening to, watching whatever, game casting, an NBA game, and they're telling me in, it's the fourth quarter. This has only happened in 7% left. of time since the beginning of the National Basketball. Okay, should I turn off the game then? I don't want to fucking know that information. Wait, what, the fuck, what the fuck point does that make? It's it, so stupid. And it just makes it this fait accompli. Like, like, I think forever humanity has looked up and tried to figure out how I can predict what's going to happen. Yeah. This is where astrology comes from. It's where the entrails comes from. It's reading tea leaves. These things were at one time big sciences. These things were at one time original ideas. And no matter how hard we do it, we're always fucking wrong because we are the people creating the reality. Kennedy and, said, and this not only the reality, the like, narrative. Yeah, the narrative. The narrative is like so. I'm saying that's all there is. It's probably just us talking. Is all we know. All we can know, really, right? What we said, what we said to each other, how it made us feel at that time, how we remember that, whether or not that gave us money or not, or did these things. Certainly, there are things you can do, but at some point, man, what, what's the value? Good, no. good for you. You did a bunch of math that shows that right now, President Trump has a 67% chance of winning the election. And in a month from now, he has a 72% chance of winning the election. And a month from that, he has a 27% chance of winning the election. Like all you did was just change the percentage based on the day. You didn't tell me. In order to predict something, you have to make a claim and say, this is what's going to happen. Not, this is what's going to happen today. The next day, the next day, I change my mind, I change my mind, I change my mind. I bring new information in every moment that it comes closer until I say, the vote happens. I say, I, I told you. Because 20 minutes ago, I said he was going to win, and he did. That's what the other school of statistics What's does. the other school? Frequentists. Okay, I'm a frequentist. You're Fuck a frequentist. Yeah, Fuck them. Yeah, yeah. Fuck them. In sports? Dude, you sickos so... don't have enough to... Look, you lay it all out, and you say, okay, you're down. There's uh, 40 seconds to go, and you're down by seven points. Okay, here's the likelihood that everything's going to happen. You know what any decent sports fan will tell you? Reggie, Shut up. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. Spike Lee, Reggie Miller, Eastern Conference semifinals. He drains a three. He steals, steals the inbound. The drains, drains a three. three. And then what? I think he does it again. Stole the ball, drained a two. Got fouled for a for a three another three point or something. I can't remember exactly. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And in all of that conversation Plus about the Knicks sucked, and I hated the Knicks. Dude. Riley's Pat Riley's Knicks were awful. Anyway, in all of that conversation um, and all of that back and forth, the only thing that matters and the only thing that has like staying power is the Reggie Miller narrative. Fuck the probabilities. See? Full circle. So if you're a Bayesian statistician, stop ruining everybody's fine time with your nerd. Numbers. And you work for ESPN. Fuck you. Fuck you.
Hey, thanks for listening to the Middle Brown Multiverse. If you'd like to join our army of subscribers, you can do so at patreon.com slash multiverse. There's a free option or a paid option that gives you access to bonus episodes that you might enjoy.